0: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of On the Way Home. Maybe you're listening to this uh, on the weekend with coffee, but maybe you are on your way home right now and you're killing some of that commute time with one of our awesome guests. This podcast is brought to you by the good people at Blue Door. That's where I'm from. I work with a hundred amazing people doing great work helping our most vulnerable. And of course, our partners in crime in this. There's no crime being committed, but they are our partners the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness, uh, doing great work. Check out the work they're doing at CAEH.ca. And if you want to check out Blue Door and the cool stuff we're doing, very innovative um, as we have to be and creative, go to BlueDoor.ca. Listen, I want to get to today's guest. Today's guest is very, very special. Uh, special to me too because when we started the podcast about three years ago now, over three years ago, when it was called um, Out of the Blue, this was our first guest ever. And so since then, we've had over 150 or so podcasts. And uh, so so glad to have this ind- individual back. He is a PhD, a scholar, academic, and a best-selling two-time best-selling author. Of course, I am talking about the amazing Jesse Thistle. Jesse, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Michael. It's good to see you. It's good to be uh, your Coke classic. You got your, you know, I'm back, you know, the original <laughs> flavor. So I can't wait to share some of my book and experiences with you guys. Thanks for having
0: yeah, me. Yeah, when you say I'm back, it makes me think of Slim Shady. And then I think you are Slim Shady. You are slim. Like, so Jesse, you are, we were talking about this off there. You are almost half the man. You said one third of you is gone. Uh, you're looking extremely healthy and happy Tell us about that. What what was the key? Because I found that super interesting.
1: Yeah, I lost uh, eighty five pounds now. Uh, I had a severe umbilical hernia that become it became ruptured. Uh, It was like that for about five years, and I had been trying to lose weight uh, the whole time. I'd been from my undergrad all the way through my PhD, and I just couldn't lose it. And I couldn't figure out the the equation of like why isn't this happening for me? And so I just started to look at the problem a little differently and said, okay, maybe it's not really about what I'm eating, which is a huge part of it. Maybe it's about the way that I feel. Maybe it's about needing to achieve some sort of happiness. And happiness in my world was only achieved through reducing my workload and stress. And so when that happened, I also decided to eat only whole foods. So salads, uh, chicken, any sort of meat that's cooked, vegetables, uh, the raw the better. And I walked uh, 16 kilometers uh, a day and I did about 100 steps a day. So 100 stories, sorry, uh, a day. So all that coalesced last year uh, around this time. And then I just worked through the summer last year and I all the weight came off and it's permanent because... What I did is I, I changed the way that my hormones work. Actually, I have more testosterone than I've had since I was in my 20s, I would say, uh, just by being physically active and eating whole foods and looking at the problem uh, as a reduction of stress rather than weight.
0: That is inspiring, my friend. I tell you, you lost 85 pounds. I think I found them. I think they're over here with me. Um, <laughs> so enjoy them. That, enjoy, it. <laughs> enjoy it. We were talking about the one food I know you're infamous for loving. Uh, and, and just to tell people when, when you do drop this kind of weight, and get healthy. You don't have to give up all the good things in life. You still love your butter tarts, right?
1: That's right. That's right. That's actually a very key point. Um, because what I would do in the past was I would totally restrict everything and go keto and then fall after like a month. But this time around, I kept those sweets in there. One of those sweets are those kind of like illustrious Canadian butter tarts that everybody loves, right? For me, I'm literally addicted to them, so I try to limit my intake of stuff like that to maybe once or twice a month, where I can reward myself. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. When it becomes more of a reward than a, a daily substance, right? It, it, yeah, uh, <laughs> then you're okay for sure. Well, let's talk about all the changes. You, you know, big big things have happened for you since we last chatted probably the biggest is you are a dad tell us about that how's that going
1: well i'm home for the first time in my life i would say like truly home if you look at home as uh, the etymology of the word domo i would say it's centers around a structure of a habitation where there's belonging and i had many structures of habitation Until Rose came and now I truly feel like I have uh, internal uh, belonging where none of my, I don't need to look to the world externally for affirmation anymore. It comes from my daughter and it's a real bond. And so I'm at home for the first time and it gives me a new look at all those theories and stuff that I used to uh, partake in and write about, about belonging uh, and about uh, being in place within Healthy Kin Networks. That's actually happened to me. My weight is a reflection of that, right? I'm actually healthy Uh, and it's through her. And so it's really wonderful it's awesome. It's scary, it's powerful. It's a lot of work. It's also the most rewarding thing I've ever been a part of, right? Uh, Because for once, it's not about me, it's about somebody else. And I, I love to give and help people. And so I'm doing that for my daughter.
0: Yeah, wonderful and congratulations. Here's a little known fact. And I just found this out the other day. So uh, we're recording this on the twenty fourth. A couple of days ago, the twenty second, I turned fifty, and Rose turned one. So we're separated by forty nine years, but we share a birthday. Yeah, right, this Golden. is
1: this is kismet. <laughs> this is like you guys are like aligned. You have the same <laughs> signs and everything, you know.
0: Yeah, it's, it was very cool. I just I thought that was was fun. She is adorable. Congratulations on that. Yeah, nothing will center you and 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 change your life more than uh, having a child. So so happy for uh, you and uh, and your wife. That's very cool. And aside from becoming a dad, I mean, let's talk about this new book. Uh, very different than your last book. A new book. It is Scars and Stars. Tell us, tell our listeners about this book. What is it all about? How did it come about? Uh, okay. and and what's in it
1: yeah i just want to slip in a happy birthday there happy big 50 <laughs> that's awesome man thanks man uh, i
0: i've been told they look good for 70 so oh yeah look you good look about good that. you're the new <laughs> santa claus coming in you know
1: <laughs> the young one um so no I, this book came about actually it's a collection of love poems that i sent to my wife from rehab <laughs> Uh, I thought you know I wasn't going to write uh, after uh, From the Ashes really uh, in the same way. Uh, I'm more of a historian, academic. Um, but she came to me one day and she said, "Jesse, I got this like collection of stuff that's pretty good uh, that you sent me from way back when we were tr- you were trying to get in my pants, actually." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I want you to read them because I think they're publishable. And so I read them, and um, they were okay. So I sent them off to my agent, Sam, and Sam loved them right away and sent them off uh, to a couple places and uh, got bites right away. And that's how we ended up at uh, McClellan and Stewart. Um, now, when those poems, uh, it, they were just a loose collection. There was no structure or uh, body to them, really. Uh, I sent them, and I work with a man named uh, uh, Jared Bland there. He's the publisher as well as an editor, Uh And he worked with me kind of, he was like Quincy Jones, man. The guy's just really good at what he does. He knows how to write really well. And so he gathered all the different poems into the nests that we see in the book. And this collection of poetry is actually quite different uh, in style than the way that I wrote uh, From the Ashes. From the Ashes was written actually in what's called an empirical style. So I only wrote what I could see, hear, taste, what my senses could perceive, because that was my reality. Uh, And you don't really get to see into my heart because with that effect, the way that I wrote in that realist way, it's supposed to feel like you're watching a movie. Uh, And when you interject with exposition or you start to tell the reader how other people feel, you break that effect. And they stop imprinting how they interpret what they're reading onto the stuff so it's actually bad to do that and so what we did in the first book because there was not a lot of emotional uh, introspection we put poems in where you do see my heart you de- do see what i'm feeling and how things are affecting me and we got a lot of uh, people from all over the globe actually requesting that there would be a, a thistle book of poetry and that's why my wife pulled out uh, Uh, these old poems that she had stashed. And even the pacing of the book is different. It's not written in like a fast breakneck type of realist writing, which From the Ashes was. This is written actually in kind of pre-1850 romantic, English romantic style of poetry, because that's what came out of me when my daughter was born. And I wanted to retort my earlier style and show readers Who've been following my career that i'm not just a one-trick pony i can write in many many different genres and this is just the second expression of one of the ways that i can write
0: well and, and i mean listen congrats to you because from the ashes was a huge natural bestseller and this book is too right so your yeah. different style completely same results bestseller tell us about how's that been as it, it's really been taken up
1: Oh, yeah. It's, uh, we just found out recently that uh, From the Ashes was, I believe, it's the best-selling Indigenous nonfiction of all time by a Canadian author. So, oh, wow, man. it's, it's huge. Crash. Yeah, it's like, grass, I yeah. can't top that. I'll never have another book that huge. Um, the second book is a little more subdued. It hasn't had the, the unleashing onto the world like From the Ashes did. But, what's unique about uh, Scars and Stars, is that it was picked as one of Indigo's best 10 books of the year. And Amazing. if you go you go back through their list for the last 10 years or whatever, 15 years that they've had it, I don't think another poetry book, Indigenous or non-Indigenous, has made that list. And so it's already done something historic, you know? And for me, I, I just take that away and say, wow, this is a pretty ballsy move to come up with a poetry book and then still get on that list. You know, and so I'm just really proud of that. And it, it it launched and it was a national bestseller, which is another rarity for poetry, right? Uh, the only person, the other person that does that, that I know of is is Rupi, uh Rupi Kaur from Brampton. She's the only other poet that or Margaret Atwood, of course. But for us, leth- lesser known authors is a pretty big deal, right? <laughs> To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca.
0: Well, listen, it's a huge deal. Like we going into this different style, different thing—poems, poetry, as you said. Knowing that you know maybe poetry is not always a best-selling thing, and it's not—I'm sure for you, it's not about selling. But you wanted to be successful. Were you? Were you nervous? Or how did you feel well. when you unleashed this?
1: Yeah, I was terrified. Uh, I have had great anxiety uh, the whole launch, uh, really. Um, but right before, I was like, "What am I doing?" Like, your style as a realist writer is is you're so well known for that. So, immersing people in like breakneck, action packed type of writing is what I do, and I'm good at that. And so, this style is completely the. Other, this is a collection of love poems. You know, there's, you know, I can't think of another uh, style that's kind of the antithesis to that, you know, toxic masculinity that I write through. I can admit that I, I was raised that way. It's part of who I am. But this is me really trying my hardest to connect with my emotions, connect with my love and honor my my the people on the streets. I was homeless with homeless with my, my wife, as well as my daughter and family through love poems. So it's like the polar opposite of what I did before. And it's yeah. been successful, which, you know, I'm so thankful. I really am that I took that chance. It was a ballsy move, but it, we pulled it off and I'm happy.
0: Yeah, man, you pulled it off. No, listen, I'm not surprised when you you put it out there. I think and you do take that kind of a risk. I think uh, people, people really have connected with this book, with the poems. Speaking of which, I was hoping that you could share one of them one of your faves from the book or something that you'd like to, to share sure. with our listeners.
1: Sure. So in that 80 pre 1850 romantic style, what they used to do is they, they would reach back into myth uh, or like Roman or biblical legend and anchor stories with a moral lesson uh, that's centered around emotion. And that's how they wrote. That's the, that's the formula. And so I did that. I went back and looked at my life on the street my life in academia as well as being a father now. And I said, where can I kind of look at my life and combine it with neoclassical imagery and ideas and pre-biblical ideas? And so I went back and I imagined a scenario where I was homeless in Brampton. I was uh, at the bus stop at uh, Queen and Kennedy. It was like 12 o'clock at night and I'd been there for a while. And I was cycling in out know, the, the shelter system. I was a shelter homeless guy. That, that's how I did it. And I was there because I had no place to go. And some girl pulled up in her, um, her ambulance. And it was a girl I had went to high school with. And so I combined that incident with the legend of somebody called St. Stella. She's the patron saint of voyagers when they're like when a long time ago when you're at sea and it was stormy and you couldn't find your way you'd pray to saint stella and she would guide you uh she's like the north star uh eventually it became about mother mary and all this stuff but the earlier one is about the star and so i did that with her because she was like my guiding star to safe harbor she was kind to me when i needed it most um and so i'll read that right now St. Stella, she became a paramedic. I knew her in high school, years before this addiction bound me in shackles. Many times at Queen and Kennedy in the dead of the night, she was the only person there in her ambulance as I scoured for change and maybe a little money. She noticed one evening, me alone and waiting for a midnight bus that wasn't coming. Come clean up at my place, she said, as if stardust was caught up in her hair. I don't know how she drove with me all ripe in the passenger seat. She let me shower when we got to her place, offered the couch, gave me $20, a pack of smokes, and let me tell her of a man who used to live inside this old heart. She turned off the lamp after and went to bed in the next room. As quiet uh, sank in, I stole away in the night. Ashamed, I had nothing to offer. This girl I once went to high school with. This girl who still cared to remember. This, the paramedic saint of Pearl Memorial Hospital. A hospital they tore down many years ago. And so that's just uh, about an incident where someone... Allowed me to have a shower at their house and talk to me like a human
0: being, and uh, uh, yeah, powerful stuff. Like uh, I love it. You know what? Different. You're saying, but still you, still very much you. And and you know, every time I've talked to you, I mean, the word genuine always is there. You are who you are. You know. Yeah. I think you know. Like uh, like some people, they try and hide their wars and all. You don't, and I appreciate that. Genuine. You're gonna get this genuine. jesse thistle in these poems right you're very vulnerable in this book
1: yeah yeah and it's i have to be i have a past you know i'm not an angel (laughs) i come from the streets (laughs) and the jail system and so i kind of have to be honest and open with who i am because i want the world to give people like i was a second chance and if i have to take damage for being honest and standing up uh, then that's what I have to do. That's the work that was set before me, and that's why I share the way I do.
0: It is truly a beautiful, beautiful book. Uh, we're grateful and thankful for you for doing that. If someone wants to pick up one of these books, I'm sure, Like, just give us some of the options where they can grab one.
1: Uh, you can go to Indigo. There's a special edition that's available at Indigo. I would go and get that. Uh, it has a very secret kind of special chapter. Nice. Um, you can go to any of your local bookstores. Indies are great. I really promote having uh, people buy from their independents because they're not a huge corporation. You have you can, of course, order it from like standard outlets like Kobo or Indigo. It's basically anywhere where there's a bookstore. This book will be carried because of its prominence already. So,
0: well, listen, hey, the holidays are coming up. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of material things out there that you're like you're giving for the sake of giving. Give someone, you know, this book. Uh, it's beautiful. It will move you. I think you'll really, really uh, enjoy it. Uh, Jesse, what is what is next for you? You know, you're, you're you're an academic. You're an author. No one wants you to stop, but we also want you to, of course, as you say, take care of yourself as always and your family. Uh, what's what's going on for the future? Any thoughts? Any plans?
1: Well, I've been thinking about doing a walking program with my local um, indigenous youth center. That's how I got sober a long time ago. A man named Phil Marsh from The Running Room in Ottawa did a running program with Harvest House with all the addicts. And a lot of us remarkably stayed sober, which is very, very rare, especially for people with chronic addictions like we had. And so I think that I can apply some of what Phil did all those years ago into an active program on the ground. Instead of being in the limelight like I used to be, I used to be all on all the, the largest platforms and the largest agencies. Uh, I became kind of a face of homelessness, which was okay. I did some work there. I brought the definition out whatnot. But now what I'm doing is I'm doing a lot of more anonymous work behind the scenes. I find it a lot more rewarding actually and I'm actually making a bigger difference I think in doing that like if I see someone struggle that they can't wash their clothes I will send them a washer and dryer you know like if it's a single father that can't you know has no one to help him Um, you know speaking gigs I I get them to sign over to agencies that help people that I know Uh, and I just do multiple stuff like that and it's more muted and more quiet and I kind of like it better. So that's what I'm up to now. And I hope to do more of that for the community.
0: Uh, You're making a difference, man. Absolutely. And that's, uh, I don't know. I'll get it. People like even more, like just doing that. It's not about the limelight. This is actually about truly making a a difference uh, moving forward. And that's so cool. And I think also, and you know this, for a lot of people, exercise, you're not trying to make the next You know, Olympic team, you're actually, when you think about in that work that you said that helped you when when you needed it, it really is the mental and spiritual part of taking a walk in nature or getting your mind through that. I'll tell you this, Jesse, I've been working out since I was 13 without a break, right? And, And to me, if I miss that, my day is messed up. Now, maybe it's some form of addiction too, but to me, it's not about so much physically. Yes, I want to feel better, but mentally, man, does it ever focus me? Same for you or.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, I would say that exercise and movement, be that resistance training or long distance cardio like I do, it really focuses the mind in a way that you can't get metaphysically. So it has to come through your body. You have to you're a thinking creature. Your body's attached to your brain and so to think properly and have the proper chemicals and hormones in your body to think straight and be balanced you do need to work out you do need to do something because we were designed that way in the wild or wherever we come from right hunter-gatherer societies it was part of our day it's been kind of phased out so you're dead on the money if i don't work out then my whole world goes topsy-turvy really quick right it's very fast uh within two days and sounds like it has an even more immediate effect on you like i guess if you're doing it longer you know you need it more right
0: yeah yeah not to say if you miss a day or whatever there but you feel you feel more energized i always say so when i get up so i get up at five and that's my time because i've got uh i've got all adult kids at home and and one (laughs) one of their spouses it's a full house but that's my time and i remember one of my kids got up earlier like hey man maybe i can i'm like no no this is like give me these two hours i'm a better person i'm a better dad Uh, I'm better all around you you just don't encroach it and and my my wife Sylvia totally gets that well number one she doesn't want to get up that early so she's cool (laughs) with that she can sleep but but number two she's like yeah like I get it and that's always been the deal is that is that is your time right to to, I I read that I work out and and again it's not nothing to do with competitive sports and and everyone has to find you have to find I would say to my kids find what you like because if you hate it you're not getting to it for long like some people hate yeah. elliptical some people need outdoors because the connection to nature right just find what you love and then you're more likely to stick to it right so yes. so yeah yeah and, and just the journey too well you are you're looking great uh great things are happening congratulations on on the birth of your daughter her one year uh she's going to be now running around uh congrats on the new book um you know just great things happening. i, I think they will continue always uh jesse we are grateful uh to have you on the on the program but to have you uh just around sharing uh all that you do it's uh it's just amazing thank you
1: can i read one poem and leave it on like a really a tender note
0: yeah of course that'd be beautiful
1: so this book is ultimately i wrote it and i know that my my daughter in 20 years is going to read this right and she'll have an archive of her very beginning and so this is a poem i wrote about her it's called tootsie roll (laughs) She's my hard rock candy. She's got me wrapped like old school hockey cards. This little piece of licorice made in heaven. This blessing of sugar. I love how sweetness lays on her baby back, flips onto her stomach, and does her little tootsie roll move and turns into the cutest piece of confectionery in all of North America. My sweet, sweet baby girl rose. That's
0: it. Beautiful. Yeah, that is the way to end. You see, and that's why we need an author to end this program. So thank you so much, Jesse. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate your time. Appreciate the book. Uh, listen, everyone. You know, go check it. Like like Jesse said, anywhere you can find, uh, you can buy a book. You can buy uh, "Scars and Stars." Check it out. You will not be disappointed. Uh, just a wonderful guest to have on the program. We will see you next time on the way home.